Well, good morning, everyone, and welcome to Grace, wherever you're joining us from. We believe you've made a great choice to be together with other people and to join in wherever you are, online, wherever, in the worship of God. Hey, have you ever wondered what the central message of the Bible is? If you were called upon to summarize it to someone, what's the gist of the Bible? What's it all about? What would you say? I think a lot of people would find that a pretty hard thing to do. Several months ago, we were in a series, and I, I, we were talking about the Bible, and I said, you know, the Bible is more complex than sometimes we're willing to admit, because it's not one book, it's 66 books. And it was written in three different languages, from three different continents, 40 different authors over a period of about 1,500 years. And so no wonder at times when we read certain parts of it, we have to admit that it's rather difficult. But do you ever find yourself wishing that you had maybe Cliff's notes on the Bible so you could kind of get the gist of it quickly? Perhaps some of you use Cliff's Notes in, the, in, the, in college. And for those of you who don't know what that is at all, let me just explain. Cliff's Notes were like a salvation for many college students, especially if they were studying big tomes of literature. Cliff's Notes are basically something you pick up when you don't have time to read the whole thing, okay? And someone has taken the effort to kind of summarize it and give what they believe to be the main points. But what do you think Cliff, Cliff's notes on the Bible would sound like? Well, that's what I want to talk with you about for a few minutes today. I think you could basically boil down the message of the Bible to two questions. Now, some of you hear that and go, no way, man. That is an audacious claim. Well, maybe it is. But I honestly believe that you can do this. Two questions, and I want to present those to you today. The first one is what you might call the Savior question. Now, here's what the Savior question really is. What will I do with Jesus Christ? Did you know that's actually a question that someone in the Bible asked? A guy named Pilate, Matthew 27 he was the Roman procurator or governor ruling over Palestine at the time. And he asked this mob that was gathered together, what shall I do with Jesus who is called the Christ? And so that is the first question we need to get a handle on because you see, there's gonna be a final exam one day. Did you know that? It's called Judgment Day. And a part of our whole reason, really the whole reason we exist is to get people ready for judgment day. And on that day, the most important question is the Savior question. What did you do with Jesus? So let me ask you, let's get personal. Who do you say that Jesus is? What have you done with him? Many, of course, say that, well, he was a wise sage. He said a lot of awesome things. He was way ahead of his time, but is that all you would say? Others would admit that he's a healer and that he did some miraculous things or things that people couldn't explain, but is that all you would say about 
Jesus. Or some try to describe Jesus as a social revolutionary, you know, someone who came to really change the structures and politics and, and the social dynamics of his day. But those who've come into a personal relationship with Christ say something more than any of that. They say essentially what Thomas, one of the disciples, said when he saw the living Christ with his own eyes. You may remember John's gospel, chapter 20, tells us that Thomas fell on his knees before Jesus and he declared, my Lord and my God. That's, of course, what I hope we'll all come to as we study who Jesus is, as we ponder this question what shall I do with Christ? Because I want to tell you, what you do with Jesus is the most important thing about you and about me. And that's the number one question on Judgment Day. Did we ignore him? Did we scoff at him? Did we reject him? Or did we embrace and accept him as our personal Lord and Savior? And let me just say it so we're clear. That is the primary purpose of this church. Our goal is to introduce as many people to Jesus as we possibly can, and then to help them get better acquainted with Jesus. That's the whole ball game. That's the most important thing you can grapple with in this life. So if you're going to get ready for the final exam, and there will be a final exam, that's not just a little kind of isolated teaching in the Bible. That is a major teaching throughout scripture that one day we will all stand before a holy God and give an account for our lives. If you've not answered that question, what will I do with Jesus? Oh, I implore you, I beg you, I plead with you to take that question seriously. And it may be that this very day at the end of the service, you would want to pull one of the leaders aside and go, hey, I want to talk about this. Maybe your campus pastor, maybe one of your ministry leaders or small group leaders, perhaps one of the members of the prayer team, and just say to one of these leaders, look, can you help me understand what it means to grapple with this Savior question, who is Jesus and what am I going to do with him? That's question number one. So if I were doing Cliff's notes on the Bible, that's the biggie, that's if you don't understand that, that's Old Testament, that's New Testament, that's, that's the biggest question of all. But here's the deal. Once you've grappled with that question, as I said, it's really simple. Some of you think I'm being crazy today. Some of you think I'm being too outlandish with this claim. But I honestly believe there's just one more question. One not 57, not 32, not two or three more questions. There's just one more question, and that's what you could call the stewardship question. Again, that's it. That's the whole Bible, Old and New Testament, all boils down to those two questions. That's all that's going to be on the final exam. I'm your friend. My name is Rex. I'm here to help, all right? I'm your proctor. I'm your mentor, I'm trying to get you ready for the final exam. You better be ready for the Savior question. I hope you get the answer to that one right. But everything else, and I mean everything else, 
falls under the second question. What did I do with all the stuff, and I mean everything, that he gave me? Let me spend a few minutes to try to help explain this question. So important that we get it. See, you could put it like this. What you are is God's gift to you. But what you become is your gift to God. See, God has given every one of us a whole bunch of stuff. Do you know that word stuff? It's a, it's a Hebrew word. It, it, it's a deep theological word, stuff, okay? It means everything. For instance, you've got a body, don't you? I think you brought your body with you today. I hope. I think you did. And that body is a gift from God. It's a part of the stuff that we're responsible for. It transports us around in this world. It's through our body that we relate to other people. But God's also given you a mind and a will and emotions. He's given you a personality to boot. He's wired you and designed you in a certain way. He's given you all kinds of gifts and passions and abilities and aptitudes, things that you're really, really good at. And here's how it works. No two people, even identical twins, no two people are exactly the same. Everyone is unique. We're all different. By the way, also a part of the stewardship question is how you steward all of the financial resources, all the material things that God has entrusted into your care. That's a big part of your stewardship. But let me tell you, there's also this thing called relationships. Did you know that that's in there too? You see, this stewardship question has a lot of stuff as subpoints below it. God's given most of us a ton of relationships, and it's kind of like this sphere, this sphere of influence, and we're responsible for how we steward that influence that God has given us. So I, I think you're getting the idea now, aren't you? All of that bundled together in one big bundle is what the Bible means by the stewardship question. So again, time out. Let's summarize what we've said. Question number one, the Savior question. What did I do with Jesus? Question number two is the stewardship question. The Savior question is one. The stewardship question is number two. What did I do with all that he gave me? So let me ask you, are you ready for the final exam? No, seriously. If your life were to end today and you were to stand before God, listen, would you be ready to answer those two questions? Again, I'll say it, not to be redundant, but I just am so passionate that you understand that's the whole purpose of this church. That's the reason we exist. That's why I do what I do. That's what so, why so many hundreds of you are actively involved in ministry, doing what you're doing. We want to get people ready for the final exam. Now, to illustrate this, I, I want to draw your attention quickly to one little parable in the Bible that Jesus told. If you're curious, if you want to turn there, and I urge you to do that, it's in Matthew 25, 
verses 14 through 30. Matthew 25, verses 14 through 30. It's a parable that Jesus taught. But remember, I'm kind of in Cliff Notes, Cliff's Notes mode today, so I'm not even gonna read the actual verses. I hope you will on your own, but I do wanna summarize the story for you because it is an amazing one and it is vitally important in getting us ready for the final exam. In this story, there is a master, this leader who's in charge. And that, by the way, in the story, kind of represents God Almighty. And oh, it's such a cool story because it's got so many connections to our lives. And this master, this leader says, look, I'm going away on a journey. And he gets three of his stewards, his servants. That kind of represents us, right? We're all stewards, like question number two reminds us. And he says, I'm going on a journey, and I'm going to entrust some money to you to invest while I'm away. So the first person gets five talents. Now, nobody knows exactly how much a talent is in today's currency, but it's quite a lot. Let's just say, for the sake of the discussion, it's $5,000, okay? To another servant, he gives Two talents. Let's just say for the sake of the discussion, that represents 2,000. And then to the third person, he gives one talent. Well, guess what? The guy with five goes out and invests it wisely and gains five more talents. He doubles his master's investment, in other words. The guy with two talents goes out and does the same. He invests it wisely. He's a good steward, and he gains two more. But the guy with one went away and dug in the ground and hid his master's money. Now, one of the features about this that we really need to get, it's a story Jesus told, is that the master comes back and there's good accountability here. By the way, that's all a part of the final exam. That's the whole premise behind Judgment Day, that we're accountable for our one and only life. Not only the savior question, but the stewardship question. And so this parable that Jesus is telling, he's doing it because he loves us. He gave us this parable because he wants to get us ready for the final exam. He doesn't want any of us to be caught off guard on final exam day. So this is a picture of what it's going to be like as we stand before God and we answer the savior question, the stewardship question. Now, the master seems to be in a really good mood. The guy with five talents comes up. Wow, this guy has invested wisely. He's been a good steward. And so he's gained five more talents. He's now got 10. He doubled the investment. And the guy with two talents Hey, he's exactly the same. He has doubled his master's investment, and both of these faithful servants are given the exact same commendation. Well done, good and faithful servant. You were faithful with a few things. I'll put you in charge of many things. Enter into your master's happiness. Now, let me just make one little footnote right there before we quickly move on. I kind of like that it reads that way. Here's what I mean. It wasn't about how much they had been given. It's about how faithful they were with what they had been given. I hope that makes sense. 
It wasn't about how much they had been given. It's about how faithful they were and responsible they were with what they had been given. I really like that part of the lesson because... That means I'm not responsible for Albert Einstein's brains. Hallelujah, thanks be to God. I don't have to be that sharp because God didn't give me those brains. He gave me the ones I have. And that means that I don't have to be responsible for Billy Graham's sphere of influence, huge as it was and worldwide. No, I'm responsible for how I steward my sphere of influence. I hope you're getting the lesson here. To me, that's one of the most encouraging parts of this. And by the way, some of us would really be freed up if we got that lesson. That would be worth our whole time today if we just understood and really accepted the fact that we're responsible for what God gave us, not what he gave somebody else. Okay, end of the footnote. Back to the story. So the master commends these faithful servants. But notice... If you choose to read this story from Matthew 25, that the whole tenor of the parable changes when the third servant approaches, the guy with one. He says, Master, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you did not sow and gathering where you scattered no seed. And I was afraid. I went away and hid your talent in the ground. See, you have what is yours. And he gives the master's money back to him, but with no increase. He's done nothing with it except, as it were, put it on the shelf. And the master wasn't very happy with that. And I hope we get the lesson of that as well. The lesson, God's just not impressed. When we take gifts, money, resources, influence, personality, relationships, all that stuff, and we just kind of squander it or put it on the shelf or treat it irresponsibly. God is just not pleased with that. Please make a mental note to self right there. God expects good stewardship. So I have a question for you here. It's just one I'd love to ask. Why do you think Jesus and all the other biblical writers spent so much time talking about question number two. Now remember, it's on the final exam. Along with the first one, what did you do with Jesus? Who did you say he was? And the second one, what did you do with all the stuff he entrusted to you? Why do you think they wrote so much about that? And if you doubt that they did, please read your Bible carefully. There's 2,162 verses in the Bible on stewardship just of resources and material things. That is astounding. That is three times more than the Bible talks about love. That is seven times more than the Bible talks about prayer. It's eight times more than the Bible talks about belief. What I'm trying to get you to understand, this is a big deal. What we do with the resources that God has entrusted to us. Why do you think Jesus and all the other writers talk so much about it? Here's the reason I believe they did. Because I believe the Lord Jesus obviously knew good and well that nothing gets our attention like money does. It's true, isn't it? A man called the church office and he spoke to the secretary and he said, 
hey, I'd like to talk to the head hog in the trough. And the secretary was indignant. She said, sir, if you're talking about our beloved senior pastor, I want you to know we've got a lot more respect for him than that. He said, oh, I didn't mean any offense. I just wanted to know if I could pop by the church and and give him a check for a half a million dollars that my wife and I wanted to give to the church. And the secretary said, wait just a minute. I think I see the big pig coming in the door right now. Now you know that that's true. Let's face it, the unbelieving world doesn't understand our prayers. They don't understand why we would gather on a day like this and worship God and sing songs to God. And the world, the unbelieving world probably doesn't understand our sermons or our mission, but I'll tell you what they understand. The world understands money. Listen to me now. Whenever unbelievers see God's people taking resources like these servants and leveraging them wisely to help others, they sit up and take notice. That's why Jesus and the other biblical writers getting us ready for the final exam said so much about it. And so that brings us to the challenge of the morning. And your campus pastor is going to present that challenge to you. So right now, let me pray briefly. And then I'm going to just step away and pass the baton to your campus pastor who will present to us both the challenge and the opportunity of this incredible moment. Father, thank you that you've been so clear in your word that there's a couple of questions we better get right and be ready to answer. Thank you that you've shown us who our Lord Jesus is and what he did for us at the cross and that we can embrace him and accept by grace through faith your salvation. And Lord, I thank you so much that you have gone to such extremes to make clear to us how important our stewardship is. You've shown us that we have been given so much, and because we've richly received from you, you are looking for us to use it wisely and be good stewards. Lord, that's what we want to be. And so I pray for us all now that we would learn the lesson well and be ready for the Savior question and the stewardship question. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Well, as Pastor Rex just mentioned, we have both an opportunity and a challenge for you as the congregation here at Grace Fellowship. We have a kingdom assignment for you. What's the kingdom assignment, you ask? Well, at the front here, just in front of the platform, there are five tables. There's two to your left, one in the center, and two to your right, and on all of them are these envelopes. We have a total of 50 envelopes for today's service. And just so you know, we're doing this at both services at all three campuses. So we're doing this church-wide. Well, what's in the envelopes? In the envelope, in each of these 50 envelopes up front is $200 in cash that we would like to put in your hands for you to do good with your sphere of influence, for you to bless those in your community. Maybe it's a neighbor, maybe it's a family, a member, maybe it's a friend, 
maybe it's something that you don't even know what it is yet, but God is gonna open your eyes to a need in the near future, and you're gonna be able to use $200 to bless somebody in a profound way. Now, $200 in these 50 envelopes are up front, and in just a moment, I'm gonna invite you to come forward to grab those envelopes. But before we do, I just wanna let you know there are some conditions with that. We wanna make sure that we're being good stewards as the leadership here at Grace Fellowship. So let me tell you what we're asking of you if you come up and grab one of these envelopes. First, we wanna ask if you participate in this kingdom assignment that after you get your envelope, one of the very first things you do is pray. Maybe you're gonna pray right there in your seat in the sanctuary. Maybe it's gonna be before lunch today or later on this afternoon. But before you do anything with this $200, we do wanna ask you to pray. We wanna ask you to invite the Holy Spirit to lead you, to give you some creative and fresh ideas, and to help you make the biggest possible impact with this money. Maybe following today's service, if you take up the Kingdom Assignment, you'll wanna connect with one of our volunteers from the prayer team. They're gonna be in the lobby like they are each week. They would love to pray over you and help invoke God's guidance and illumination as you think about how to steward these resources. Second, we wanna make it clear, you cannot give this money back to Grace Fellowship. Please, please, please do not grab an envelope and then tithe with this money or give it back to Grace Fellowship. We don't want the money coming back to us. We wanna put it in your hands so you can make a difference. Third, we want you to know that this money needs to be given to somebody or to some individuals who have been somehow negatively impacted by COVID-19. Now, at first, that might seem a little uh, challenging, but if you really think about it, with increased costs for everybody these days, with people's businesses being shut down for months, many businesses after they open back up still being kind of at a trickle, it's not gonna be too hard to think about people that have been negatively impacted by COVID-19 and find a way to be light and to be salt in their life. So as long as it has some tie-in to COVID-19, the sky's the limit. Fourth, we want you to know that you need to complete this assignment in about a month's time. Uh, this assignment needs to be completed by June 27th, so you have a little over a month to decide how you're going to invest this $200. But we do ask that you would please complete this by June 27th. Fifth, we're gonna ask you, after you've invested this money, to do a brief digital form so that you can share with us how God led you to use this money to make a difference. We wanna hear those stories because in July, we're going to have a service where we're gonna share some of those very stories. And in fact, the sixth point that I wanna make out right now is that some of you are gonna be asked either by video or in person to share what God led you to do and what difference it made in your sphere of influence. Finally, I wanna let you know the last requirement as you can see on this envelope, on the front, there is a card here. The card asks for your name, your email, and your phone number. If you take up this kingdom assignment challenge, we wanna ask you to fill this card out, and before you leave today, to drop it off in one of the black offering boxes in the back of the sanctuary. But that's it. We wanna put in this service $10,000 into your hands to be light and salt in the community and to adorn the gospel of Jesus Christ. So at this time, I wanna invite you, if you're gonna participate, go ahead and stand up now and make your way to the front, grab an envelope, and then you can head back to your seat. We want all 50 of these envelopes gone. Don't leave any envelopes on the table. Don't be shy. Hop up, and as they're coming, you pray that God will use this for his glory.
Thank you so much for joining us for worship today. Hey, if you want to learn more about the Kingdom Assignment, go to our website, gracefellowship.com slash kingdomassignment. We'll see you next week.